1: Let's do it then. And we're going to start off with this. We've been talking a lot about the running backs. Fill in the blank. Notre Dame's leading rusher this season will be blank. Notre Dame's leading rusher this season will be Audric Estime.
2: I think Audric Estime is the perfect, you know, for how their offense is run when 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 Estime starts. When you have running backs who share loads like this, um, and you can pound Estime like you can in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I believe that uh, that uh, that uh, that Estime will take kind of the lead here. I think that you know defenses get worn down with an already physical attack uh, with the offensive lineman and and you know the consistent pounding of the ball. And by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, uh, that's prime Estime time. So as long as he doesn't fumble, I think Estime is going to be the lead back just because of his powerful downhill
1: running uh, later in the game. Tyler is right there with you. As of right now, Estime has 70 carries for 442 yards. Diggs has 75 for 349. So he's a little more than 100 yards behind with five more carries. He started slower, though, because he was running more against Ohio State. Chris Tyree, 70 for 308. Really what I think this comes down to, and I mean, I think we all love Audric Estime and just, you know, what he is able to do. But he's got to hold on to the football. I don't think it would be as close as it is right now. I don't think Diggs would have had his 28 carries for 130 yards if Estimate doesn't fumble for the third time in four games. And now, as Vince said yesterday, you know, the first one was when he was reaching out for the goal line against North Carolina. So do you really count that? I don't know. But maybe it's gotten in his head a little bit. And that's what I'm worried about with him right now. Is it in his head? And the way Logan Diggs is running, can he catch him? And that's what I'm trying to balance right now. And at least for the short term, we're going to see less of Audric Estime until he proves that he can hold on to the football. And the way Diggs is running right now, really like it. So I'm going to say Diggs just edges him out. Like if everything went the way the formula was going, where you're using Diggs, you're using Tyree, and then the you know you're mixing in some Estime, and then in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, here comes the sledgehammer, and you're pounding with Audrick Estime. I would have no doubt that it's going to be him, but there's just enough doubt right now because of the fumble issue, so I'm going to go with Diggs just overtaking him when they come down the home stretch.
3: I never dreamed I would talk this much about coffee, especially since I'm not really a coffee drinker, but ever since we first tried Trade Coffee, my coffee-loving wife is not only hooked But I've even started to drink coffee, and I've got my mom hooked on it as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. I've told you about our collection. The rich, sweet flavor of the Big City Roast from Drill Coffee. The full flavor of the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters where you can actually taste the malted milk balls. We love it. And if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is that you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take the coffee quiz like we did and get expertly matched with the coffees that you'll love. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it got nothing to lose because Trade guarantees you will love your first bag. If not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping at drinktrade.com irish. That's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the world. Give it a shot.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: We I just saw a super chat, and since it's a super chat, you're going to have to answer to this. Andy uh, Nation <laughs> says Reese is smart. Please explain. Thanks.
2: <laughs> I, Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese is smart, but like a lot of smart people, he gets in his own way with kind of getting too smart and overcomplicating. Yes. Sometimes and you is, can be
1: too smart for your own good,
2: and that is his issue right now. Uh, you and I have talked about it a lot, and I'll, I'll just say it again. He just needs to simplify down to his base on what works and then use all of his other concepts and fun ideas off of his kind of foundation and base of things that work. Yes, Tommy Reese is a smart guy. He's just too smart and he's overcomplicated. The, you know, he, he's gone. I think he's getting too kind of too cute and too complicated and, and trying too many things of what could potentially work rather than sticking to what he knows works uh, and what he knows his team does well. So for me, that that is kind of my answer to that question. He's just too smart uh, for his own good.
1: Man's got to know his limitations. That's right, Salty. Okay, so kind of on that subject, Jess, when asked about Mitchell Evans' run plays against UNLV, Michael Mayer, after the UNLV game, said, Irish offensive coaches will come in all the time with plays they see in NFL games, and then they try many of them out in practice. And that was kind of the... You know origin of the Mitchell Evans, the the Travis Kelsey, Kansas City Chiefs tight end play. So, what do you think about that? You know, it, it just kind of feeds into to what we were talking about.
2: Like you, at this point in the season, I feel like you really shouldn't be introducing too many crazy concepts. Like, am I okay with with the fourth down play where where the tight end comes in motion and you know comes under center and, and does the QB sneak like that? Sure, that's that's just a quarterback sneak. Except Drew Pine is a small quarterback who's running a quarterback sneak with drew pine it's a very efficient play when you have a bigger body like jacoby percent for the browns is like 32 of 34 at qb sneaks he's it's not because he's a good quarterback it's just because he's a big body and he's hard to tackle and so you know i'm okay with that kind of stuff of you know the smaller things like the wrinkles like 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 the play here's here's what i tell you all the time i feel like an offensive coordinator going into every week should have Two to three plays that they have never shown before, that's inside the 10-yard line that is guaranteed to get you a touchdown, like the Philly special or you know, this the Statue of Liberty, whatever play it is. And you
1: know Tommy has to have them as much as he, you know, as big as his playbook is, you know, he's got many of those he could break out at any given time.
2: Right. So I'm okay with having, you know, these maybe like two or three plays per week that you haven't shown yet that are maybe you know, some some kind of out there concepts, but those are kind of like your trick plays or your plays that, you know, you're just showing for when you need a touchdown or, or, or something like that. So, you know, I, it's pick and choose. And I know that's a crappy answer, but I just think <laughs> when you're running, when you're, it shouldn't affect your everyday offense. It should be right. your kind of your, your like, your, you're throwing your, your wrinkles offense, like stuff that teams haven't seen stuff. That's not on film. And again, stuff where you need a touchdown, and you want to show, you know, run something that'll catch the other team off, uh, off off guard.
1: Yeah, you you can spend a ten minute period, you know, work or a five minute period or whatever, working on a play like this or whatever, as long as it doesn't consume the time that you need to be spending to get your offense working. And it, you know, and I guess that's what like hearing this, and it's like. You know, hearing, oh, yeah, coach shows up. They've been watching NFL games, and and they show up, and they see this play, and and we try to run it. You know, it sounds cool because, you know, like especially from the college player's point of view, it's like, ooh, we saw this in the NFL. So you kind of get, it's got a little cachet to it, you know. So the the players are going to buy in. Well, Travis Kelsey could do this, so let's see if Mitchell Evans can do this. And I don't necessarily mind that because, you know, again, like a short-yarded situation, they needed something, and Drew Pine had to go out. It was ready to go. They were able to go in and and run it. It got them a first down one time, and it got them a touchdown the next time. You just don't want to be spending too much time on this kind of stuff when your offense is broken the way it is, and the offense is broken right now. More time needs to be spent on actually running the offense and doing things that work on a consistent basis. You know, so that's that's what kind of struck me about it. Like you know, like how much of these plays are actually coming? You know, how many they're doing them. Doing them in any given week i don't know but that's i just don't think you want to be spending too much time on that kind of stuff you don't want to add like
2: saturation i think is that's the right best, best way to put it
1: the whole keep it simple right like just just like what you were saying you need to have those plays you can pull out of your bag when you're down there in the red zone and that would help them be a better red zone team because they stink in the red zone right now too but you also you need a solid base of plays like what is your offense nobody knows the idea well The identity they want for this offense is obviously power-running football team, but that's not working right now. Not consistently, anyway. Right. All right, NBC has had an alum of the opposing team, as well as a Notre Dame alum, take part in their pregame, halftime, and postgame shows this season. So Saturday, it was former UNLV quarterback Kenny Mayne (laughs) of ESPN fame on the broadcast and you know again like whenever NBC has had the game they've had someone from the other side and maybe you've been able to watch a little bit of this more than me I don't know how much of it you've seen do you buy or sell this opposing team angle to NBC's Notre Dame broadcast
2: you know I I really don't mind I think it's it's kind of it adds another you know dimension to it I get it that it's an NBC product so it's a Notre Dame product but you know, it, it's nice to have someone uh, from the other side, especially in when these kind of big, like UNLV, eh, but when you have a bigger game, uh, you know, against having, you know, when you have larger opponents at home and you get to bring in, it, it's just another side of the, uh, another perspective, right? It, it, it lends to thinking about things um in different ways. And so uh for me, I just really enjoy that. Yeah, that they have you know, the different side, it, it could be all they could be all Notre Dame if they want to. But the fact that they bring in, you know, a Notre Dame alum and a visiting school alum, I just think it, it makes it more fun. It makes it more diverse. Uh, I never knew Kenny Main was a quarterback for UNLV. So it's just uh I didn't either until they started talking I, about it. Something week. I, I uh, you know, you learn. So for me, I enjoy it. I know, like I said, I know other people might not like it because it's, you know, it's the NBC. It's a nerd Dame product. Um, But yeah, I, it is better. Uh, Than having them in the booth, a la Brees and or Brees and,
1: uh What was the other Loody. one? Flutie. <laughs> um, I didn't get to see any of the Kenny main. Um, and it's not even like it's a
2: large segment. First, they just briefly kind of cut to it right. before the game. It's a very small, kind of, you know, pregame, five minute at most segment.
1: Also, We're Not Marshall says he was there with Randall Cunningham. I didn't realize that. But again, I didn't get to see the broadcast. But Um, I guess the only thing, like I did see the BYU thing and one, like that was when Manti Teo was there out there for the shamrock series. One, I had no idea who the BYU guy was. And then they've got him out there in the post game. And it's like this guy from BYU and Manti and the the regular, uh, reporter. And they're interviewing Michael Mayer out there. Well, what's the BYU guy going to say? You know, he just, (laughs) it's like. It just seemed, that, that part of it seemed very awkward to me. I get what they're trying to do because, again, NBC has always had this thing. To them, like to Notre Dame fans, it's a Notre Dame, It's supposed to be a Notre Dame broadcast for the most part. But to NBC, it's a national broadcast that happens to be Notre Dame. And they're trying to, to kind of play both sides of this, and they're working in the angle. Like, Kenny Mayne has, you know, he's a funny guy, so I'm sure that whatever he was doing there was some entertainment value to it, you know, at least to some extent. So I don't mind it. And I think it was, was Stymie who said, yeah, it's better than having them in the booth. Just what you were saying, Jess. better than having these guys in the booth, like breeze or Flutie. And it's like, you know, that's, that's what always amazed me is the fact that not only are you not having a Notre Dame guy in the booth, you've got a Purdue guy and you've got a Boston college guy. And then Mayock is a Boston college guy, even though a lot of people including myself like Mayock, but you know, it's it's just it's very odd the way they've gone about their business and putting these boosts together over the years. And, you know, I saw a whole lot of Jason Garrett bashing and Jack Collinsworth bashing over the weekend as well. Jack deserves
2: you know? it. I, I i i had some preconceived notions of what Jason Garrett would be. And I've been pleasantly surprised. I think he he does a great job. He's very uh, factual, informational. He's not overboard. I just really think Jason Garrett does a pretty solid job. And uh, there's no bias. He he just kind of tells you how it is. He tells you, you know, what Notre Dame should be doing and and the things that they do well. And he gets frustrated when they don't do them. And I think that that's kind of everyone else. You know, it's like he sees it week in and week out. And it's like, well, why aren't you doing the stuff that, you know, works for you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he's an Ivy League guy with an NFL, predominantly NFL background, and uh, I, I agree with Stymie. What I have heard of Garrett, I I think Jason Garrett does a really good job of explaining what's going on in the field. Uh, I think being around Notre Dame, assuming he keeps doing this for a few more years, he'll get better with familiarity and you know, some of the things that he's talking about regarding Notre Dame specifically. But the only thing I don't want to hear about from Jason Garrett, because again, like X and O, why a play failed? Why it succeeded? The X and O's of the plays. I think Jason Garrett does a really good job with not without being overly technical, which is sometimes what Drew Brees I thought could get into. Maybe there was too much, to, and that's definitely. I mean, it's literally why Mike Mayock doesn't have a jo- You know, didn't have a job before he moved on to the NFL was because he talked in too technical terms. NBC kept telling him, "Stop being so technical," because you're talking to a large audience of grandmas and moms, and you know beyond just diehard football people and he wouldn't do it and that's literally why mike mayock was gone but i think jason garrett does a good job of that the only thing i don't want to hear from jason garrett is game strategy stuff because you and i know very well the stupidity of many of jason garrett's well it's funny because i
2: i honestly
1: he contradicts himself
2: compared to what he did as an nfl coach it's really (laughs) weird because it's like you say these things, but like, like, did analytics just hit you? Like, what, what were you doing while as a coach? Because all the time it seems like he's like, yeah, I'd go for it here if I was Marcus Freeman. and like he right. never went for it with the Cowboys. You never, never went
1: for it. You Jason Garrett was famous for. Okay, we start at our own twenty. We march across the fifty. We march across the forty. Now we're inside the 30. Now we're going to downshift because we're in field goal range, and I don't want to risk missing the field goal. So I'm I'm more willing to settle for a field goal than I am in taking a couple of chances going for a touchdown. That was like the Jason Garrett offensive philosophy, by and large, and it was so frustrating. And you're right, like to hear him say, oh, I'd go for it. No, you wouldn't because, as you said. You never went for it. That was like the only good thing that came out of Mike McCarthy's first year was like, he went for it a couple of times, even if he didn't always make it. It's like, well, we got somebody who'll go for it on fourth down. You know, it was different. Fill in the blank, Jess. It's blank that Jim Nance will be stepping away from calling March Madness after this year's tournament and Ian Eagle will be taken over as the lead TV announcer.
2: It is disheartening that Jim Nance is uh, taking a step away. He's Obviously iconic for you know the March Madness and and everything that he he brings to college basketball and it it just enhances you know the 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 product and the viewer experience. So um, at the end of the day, I, you know, and that's that's nothing against Ian, but I, I think that he can potentially you know step up and do what he needs to do. But for me, it, it's just I, I enjoy listening to him. When you think of you know March Madness and college basketball, that's kind of one of the things uh, that you think of. So definitely disheartening to see him go, but you know, hopefully it's you know you never know what the reason. Uh, might be or you know when it does come out hopefully it is something it's a better opportunity uh, for him
1: yeah I agree and like I I enjoy him more doing March Madness than I do the NFL now I feel like it's kind of been up and down with that Romo booth like they were doing the game the other day and like there were some questionable you know angles they were going with in that Cowboys Lions game that I found a little bit surprising but it's it's that Booth sounds just a little bit more disjointed than it was early on, but he's been so great at basketball for for so long doing all the Final Fours and March Madness and everything else. But he also doesn't call a whole lot of college basketball other than when it comes to tournament time. And I get, you know, I guess he's doing this for family stuff. He's going to, you know, step step back so we can have more time with the family. He's still going to do the Masters, still going to do football and all that stuff. So he'll he'll be around, but uh, it's going to be different. I an eagle like, you know, he's an East Coast guy. I know a lot of people love him. I guess maybe because I don't hear him as much. I think he's he's really good, but he's not one of my favorites. But, you know, so it's going to be a different sound to get used to. He You know, he definitely – like there were some calls that he had last year where he was kind of getting in some of the zingers and and that kind of stuff. That So I don't know. It's going to be different. It's going to be a lot different for sure. I think I'll miss Jim Nance. So got one more go around. D Hawk was commenting on Jason Garrett says he doesn't know what targeting is. And that's what I heard. Like he was saying
2: accurate comment by D Hawk. he
1: was saying that the drew pine thing was not targeting, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is shocking to me again, having, you know, just watching the replays. I just, yeah. And he says he has no clue who the players are or what they've done. You know, he does, Understand plays and strategy, DeHawk says. Jack worked as a sideline guy, but play-by-play struggles. Not much play-by-play experience at all. Derek wants to hire Dan Orlovsky. That might take a lot of money to do that. I mean, NBC is going to have to hire some more play-by-play and analysts here when they start adding these Big Ten games, anyway. So I'll be curious to see how they, you know, kind of what directions they go with that. They're going to have to add a, a stable of some more people. Both the NLCS and the ALCS just concluded Sunday. World Series isn't going to start though until Friday. Should they be starting today instead of waiting almost a week to get the World Series started?
2: Uh, no, I believe that you, you plan for seven games, and that's a, a team earns those days off by winning four to one and sweeping another opponent. I know it sucks, but you know, to me, you've earned those days off. And I would I more so would like to see all of the pitching kind of rested up. And we get the best performance once the World Series starts. So I don't mind it. I think that, you know, it's scheduled that way. And like I said, they earned it by, you know, the the Astros sweeping the, the highly paid frauds of the New York Yankees um, and the Phillies kind of handling their business against the Padres. So for me, like I said, they've earned those that time off. I know it sucks that we have to wait and it seems kind of stupid, but, you know, the, they, they can't predict that a sweep would happen uh, and another series would end in 4-1. Uh, so for those reasons I'm okay with it because they earned it by by sweeping another team they played that much better uh and they get the they, they get the reward of re- resting and most importantly their pitchers uh get to rest
1: yeah and I get that and I've seen a lot of people you know talking about why don't they just start right now to me it would be great if they could because they're gonna start on Friday night okay high school football Saturday then you've got college football they're gonna go into the weekend I think they're I, I think it goes two and then a day off you know so it's like you go up against football I guess is my point on the weekend and that makes it tougher when there's nothing going on these next few days so it would be great I understand you know you got tv involved network tv and all that stuff you you know you can't just change the the network tv schedules and all that stuff so easily but I think it would be great if they could it's really more convenience than anything so because it's like it'd be great to have a world series game to watch tonight instead of I don't know, whatever <laughs> is on. It looked like, uh, yeah, there we go.
2: We got thrown a nice question yes. here.
1: We got a super chat. So David says, let me ask this. When it comes to targeting and the offensive player lowers his head helmet, is that fair? Absolutely not. I I think when when a
2: defensive player, and this is obviously biasy on my end, I'm a defensive player, but when the defensive player starts his tackle or starts, you know, the, the, the fundamentals are breaking down into tackling form, uh, you can't account for what the what the the runner is going to do with their header helmet, and so if I've started the process of my tackle and another and the offensive player lowers their helmet, then absolutely I don't think that that's fair because I've started my tackle um, and, and the, the the runner has put himself in a bad situation uh, by lowering their header helmet. So for to for me, I'm okay with seeing. You know, when's the last time we saw an offensive you know targeting or head to, you know head to head? Oh, I know. Those are, those are need to be con- taken into consideration because too many times you see these shorter players kind of put their heads down um, and, you know, it, to, 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 finish off these runs and it's really not fair to the defensive player who's already kind of has to deal with, you know, the, 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 the ramifications that come with targeting and really trying to make sure, you know, be conscious of where they're placing their head. And obviously that comes down to good fundamentals. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just don't think that a defensive player should be compromised, Uh, after, you know, starting the, the process of their tackle.
1: Right. I mean, the biggest thing, because you're reacting. As a defensive player, you have to react to what the other person is doing. And like you said, you can't anticipate where the other guy is going to run, let alone what his head level is going to be and all these other things. The biggest thing that you want from a defensive player is just that you're not leading with your helmet. You know, I think that that is the intent of this, not only to protect the offensive player, But to protect the defensive players as well and try to cut down on the neck and you know spinal cord injuries and stuff like that, making sure you're not leading with the crown of your helmet, especially. And like Marcus Freeman said the other day, when you look at at the way JD Bertrand has made these plays, like the first one, he definitely, you know, was like launching himself upwards into a receiver. A defenseless receiver after the ball had already been gone. There was no reason for him to do it. But the other two, the North Carolina play and the play this past week against UNLV, he's leading with this face mask. Like the UNLV player again, like the UNLV player with the hit on Drew Pine, he's leading with the crown of his helmet. I, I don't know how that doesn't even get looked at for instant replay. But, but again, that that wasn't the question. That you know, the bigger question. Was is it fair? No, it's not fair because you've got different sizes and shapes of these players, and the defensive players have to react to them, and you can't predict how a guy where where a guy's head is going to be when the play is over. I liked uh,
2: the follow up. Does the defensive player get trucked because the offensive player becomes a battering ram? Those as a linebacker, those are the hardest running backs to tackle. Those guys who just put their helmets down, get low, and essentially spear you. Like I remember taking spears to the chest from this running back that was just like, he was just a muscle ball and he was so low and he would just like headbutt you every time. And it wasn't fun, but every time you just had to get in there and just the muscle stand hamster. Yeah. You just had to like stand your ground and, and just kind of know what was coming. It was more of like the fall back and wrap and kind of roll with it. Right. Because you knew you weren't going to get necessarily lower than that guy and just the overall strength. though Uh That's just, That's like the least favorite scenario uh, when tackling someone is when you have a real strong guy who just lowers his head and gets low uh, because you can't really do much. You you don't have much leverage to get up, up and underneath.
4: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: All right, last question tonight. Fill in the blank. It's blank that the Yankees mental skills coach showed Yankees highlights or showed showed that this current Yankees team highlights from the 2004 Red Sox comeback win over the Yankees (laughs) in the 2004 ALCS to try to motivate them when they were trailing the Astros 3-0 in the ALCS. It's disgraceful for the Yankees. The last thing you want to be
2: remembered of is when you blew a 3-0 series lead, I'm okay with maybe showing some highlights from the season of guys who might be struggling and be like, hey – you know, these are the things that you're capable of. Just go out there, have fun. Uh, but when you bring up bad memories, especially against your number one rival, and obviously you're losing that, you didn't go to the world series. Uh, that's just, that guy should be fired. I think uh, he should no longer be the social skills coach. That's like the I last that video <laughs> that, that you want to bring up as a Yankees uh,
1: personnel. I mean, they might as well have said, Hey, Dave Roberts, why don't you come give a motivational speech? Of course, Dave Roberts was the guy that stole the base. In game four, that that started the whole comeback. Or, hey, Big Poppy, why don't you come give a motivational speech to the Yankees? It's like your biggest rival and the biggest flop in postseason history, the biggest comeback in postseason history, depending on how you want to look at it. But it is literally the event that ended the Yankees' dominance after they had gone to the World Series for five of the six previous years, and you know, of course, winning the three straight in the late nineties and in 2000 and if they finish off the red sox in 2004 there's no doubt in my mind that they end up beating the cardinals but instead they've only won one world series since then in the meantime the red sox have four in that same time and that's you're showing those highlights to the current
2: yankees all right the world is a better place every year the yankees don't win a world series
1: it is it is that would actually stymie's was it George Costanza? Is that his new <laughs> one Yankees? That's, that's funny. Could be. Could be. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. Appreciate you stopping by tonight. Jesse, great stuff. You had your stats all broken down as usual. You'll be back on Thursday, and uh, we'll have a little uh, Keys to Syracuse victory on Thursday, right?
2: Yeah, we'll get into to Syracuse's kind of tendencies offensively and defensively, and what Notre Dame needs to do to really, you know, take it to Syracuse. I think this is a great matchup. Notre Dame's actually favored right now, which is kind of crazy, but uh, we'll see. I think it, it just depends on do we get Stanford Notre Dame or do we get North Carolina Notre Dame, and that's really going to be the theme for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I just want to identify, you know, defensively ways Notre Dame
1: can can attack them. All right, sounds good. We'll be doing that on Thursday. Vince will be back tomorrow. We've got the mailback show, so. Bring your mail tomorrow. Jess, I'll talk to you later this week. Thanks for joining in. Hit the like button on your way out if you would. IB Nation Sports Talk.